what's the topic? Um, Patrick is a uh, he's an author and a uh, game enthusiast. We and he's staying in New York right now, in the center of all the COVID nineteen madness. And we've just been talking online. And what I wanted to do really quickly was just get some of his opinions on things, uh, see how the book is coming, and check up on the guy. He's a he's a good guy. And he likes wrestling too. I don't know how that came about in our discussions, but you remember. If you remember from the day I used to talk about wrestling, so we've got that there too. Hello, Patrick. <laughs> hey, what's up, man? How you doing? Doing all right. So, um, can anybody else? Yeah, can you hear him? Okay. Go ahead and say something, Patrick. How are you doing? I'm doing very good. Benjamin Johnson, the man behind games such as Origins, Red Dead Redemption. <laughs> Okay, good, good. Uh, I like your Macho Man voice there. <laughs> there was just a there was just a Macho Man uh, meme going around that. Oh God, how did it go? I'll have to repost it. But I realized how crazy he looked all the time, and he. I don't know what he was on or if that was the mode he was trying to express, but as a very little kid, I just thought that he was intense. And now I look back and I'm like, man, that guy was on something. Yeah, there was definitely, like, cocaine involved in that entire, uh, <laughs> that entire process. He, but, you know, the thing is, though, he was a U12 to a lot of uh, special wrestlers that uh-huh. worked with him. He would meticulously plan his matches before. Right. And we're, we're talking, like, matches with like a hundred like events during the match and he would go to like the guy that he was wrestling and go all right what was 47 and the guy would go deep arm drag and he's like no stupid it's it's an atomic drop come on and he he would memorize an entire match in his head before the match took place that's crazy that he enjoyed working with were the ones that could like actually keep up with him, like Ricky Steamboat was one of those guys, Diamond Dallas Cage, those are some of the people that he had the best matches with because they used to do the same thing, they would tape themselves and they, you know, really wanted to bring a lot out of the experience, so yeah, he was super, super intense. Man, that's crazy. Um, I really liked the, uh, and that's one of the things I liked about wrestling, the, um, the artistry and uh, the, you know, theatrics of it. Um, it was, it's just it was just on another level and I don't think people still people really don't get that what's going on and uh, how well t- how well put together that whole process is absolutely I mean it's kind of like video games a little bit when you think about it you know people just look at the finished product and they don't really think about all the things that go into the finished product and how all those little things along the way can make something so special you know and that's like one of the biggest reasons why I started the journey that I'm on now Mm-hmm. Um, so okay how did um, now you're an author and game enthusiast but how did exactly you get on that journey because um, I, I actually haven't found that part of your history how you got started um, so I've been writing about video games for about 15 years um, probably a little bit longer than that but I don't count any of that stuff like the AOL like uh, AOL group okay. posts and, and the, the games the game spot and IGN forum, you know, and all that stuff. But like I mean I was Right, right. Since I was little since I was a little kid I was always curious about games and how they were developed. It wasn't until I was about probably like twenty one like eh, nineteen twenty that I started writing for places and getting paid, so that's kind of like the beginning of the journey. But I was always like Wait, hold stuck. on. You said uh, nineteen and uh, twenty. So mm-hmm. um did you go? Did you go to school at all in college? Yeah, yeah, I have a master's degree, um, but I didn't start college um, right away. I um, was going to take a year off, and then I ended up getting in a pretty serious car accident. And then uh, I was like that eighteen-year-old kid in the neighborhood with a cane. Um, so I was con- I was confused for a pimp, but I wasn't. Um, I was in bands for a little while, and then probably around like nineteen. Almost 20, I had a conversation with my dad, and it was basically like, all right, you either go to college or you get the hell out of the house. So I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to go to college. And then I just I just took to college so well because um, I was a little bit older, a little bit more focused, a little more mature, okay. and uh, I just jumped right in. Now, was this in New York? 
Yeah, but I'm a Brooklyn guy, uh, born and raised. Okay. So born and raised in uh, Brooklyn, um, you've got you went through this uh, terrible accident, but you end up getting in school uh, anyway. Mm-hmm. What did you end up studying? Uh, journalism. I have an associate's degree, uh, a bachelor's degree, okay. and a master's degree in uh, in journalism. Okay. Um, yeah, my uh, my sister got, uh, was into journalism. She actually went to. Uh, Texas Southern to study, and nice. she got me into uh, actually a lot of fantasy reading, um, mm-hmm. just the whole. I don't want to say the nerd side of things. Um, I was into computers already, but she was definitely into fantasy. Uh, she got me into The Hobbit, you know that kind of, things like oh, that. So, good. Mm-hmm. so yeah, that side of things, and um, you know, understanding how to read magazines and read media. Um, you know, she really pulled me into that. So I definitely uh, I, I definitely can relate to that vibe, you know, having someone in the family like that. And, um, Absolutely. But, yeah, it, it really opens up a lot of things. You start to see things differently, once again, like wrestling. You start to look at it in a different, um, a different way. So now you're, you're, um, you're doing this writing, and you've got this, uh, you know, affinity for wrestling and things. And how does that, you know, I naturally I suppose it kind of leads into gaming you know if you're into wrestling but uh did that did any certain thing happen or just kind of build up or what I just I mean I liked um I liked wrestling in terms of it being I, I consider it art it's artistry there's a story being told in the ring mm-hmm. you know um I like video games the same exact way ever since I was a little kid I enjoyed playing games I enjoyed playing games differently than other people I enjoyed playing games like Zelda and going all the way to the edge of the map and seeing what happens and yeah. you know trying to blow trying to blow up every part of the map and see you know what yeah, was yeah. there and you know looking for Easter eggs and, and things like that. So when I started you know studying journalism and I knew that you now all of a sudden I have the opportunity to interview the people that created those experiences for me. Um, it was like a whole new door open. So I was editor in chief of my first college newspaper and I was like you know what we're going to send letters to like Atlas and Sega and Rockstar and Sony and we're going to see if we can get some some free games to review and uh they started sending us like Atlas I remember Atlas started sending us games Atlas uh, wow yeah yeah yeah. you know and I got like Steambot Chronicles and Persona and a whole bunch of games and I told because you know as a community college newspaper, so you're only there for two years. And I told the, the team that I left, mm-hmm. um, like, do not fuck this up because these guys will send you games forever as long as you do the right thing. You know, if you're just collecting games that, and you don't write about them, then they're going to stop sending you games. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. And uh, so I made sure that when I left, I told Atlas and a couple of the other companies um, that I was going to another college and I, I was going to write about those about their games for my, uh, the next college paper and they said yeah so the other college newspaper was like still like holy shit we just brought this guy in we don't know him from a hole in the wall right. and he's working with video game companies you know mm-hmm. but um, so the other uh, the other paper they, they stopped reviewing the games and they lost the agreement so okay. that's kind of how it all started with video games okay yeah so I guess you just kept kept on with that um, regardless yeah. of whoever dropped out or whatever you just Started, you'd started contacting these companies, and now you continue. Yep. Yeah, so, you know, what's funny is um, I was the uh, editor-in-chief of the CIS Times, which was a computer information systems um, times. It was, a, it was a little newsletter magazine that we put out at Florida a University. Nice. So um, when I first got there, they it was kind of janky, and I was like, yo, you've got this, um, you've got this tool, this uh, outlet, you can make these, you can you can have something worthwhile in here. And they're like, well, yeah, but nobody knows the, you know, the publishing software. And they had some old version of something, but there was a, uh, a computer in, in the computer lab that had Microsoft Publisher on it. And I said, do you know we have this? I don't even know how to use it, but do you, can we use this? And they're like, dude, no one's touching that little newsletter. You know, at the time, it was just like, one photocopied sheet of paper with that was like folded yeah. in half, and they would just hand it out saying, "Hey, there's a programming competition. Uh, please 
don't forget to log out of your computer. It was really a goofy little one-page flyer that they put out. And we yeah. turned it into a, a complete magazine. And we wow. used that magazine to actually, you know, as you said, do interviews and uh, host, um, you know, discussions. So when these newsletters went out, you could see the instant effect it had where people just knew information. That, I mean, there was information on, of course, you know, the bulletin boards. But having an actual newsletter was a lot um, was a lot different. It really made a difference. So, uh, very interesting stuff. Absolutely. I mean, it's those are some of like, the most important experiences of my life because you know I, it not only gave me the opportunity to be as creative as I wanted to be and to be in control of something, but it also allowed me to work with other people and to kind of see where I could take you know my my dreams in a way. And I, I did crazy stuff for the community college newspaper, the first one. Uh, like, I interviewed, like, the guy that played Master Shake on the Oxy Hunger Force. I interviewed Diamond Dallas Page and Harley Race and uh, guys on the Mets, like uh, David Rice. And I just, I did really cool stuff. And I was just like, I'm just a student. I'm like a nobody. Imagine, like, when I get a degree, like, what I can do. So, yeah, man, those were, like, the beginning. It was, like, the, the fourth, the uh, foundation days, those are some of the, the greatest days of my career. I mean, I'm sure you, you kind of feel the same way that, like, those light bulbs went off and they're, they're still on. Definitely, totally. So, um, my iPad just gave me uh, an announcement of some sort. Oh. And I'm not sure if, uh, if you still got your computer open or, um, whatever you're working on. Can you post mm -hmm. a comment? I'm not sure how the feed is looking. Or someone could just post a comment and let me know that the the feed is still moving along okay. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. Okay, good. Yeah, you're still moving. Yeah, can you hear me? All right, so. Yep, we're still we're still flowing. It was just a little choppy for a second, so I'm wondering how the final recordings are going to come out because sometimes that can be a little weird. But that's how we learn, right? Sure. Yeah. All right. So, um, uh, really quick for those who of you who aren't familiar, the the book series that he's running, and I'll do a backwards version of this later. But it's called "The Mind Behind the Games." It's a series that Patrick has started creating. Um, based on the history that he was just telling you. And it's it's pretty intense. Uh, I don't know how to describe it. Um, when I heard about it, I liked the idea. But when I got the actual book in my hand, I realized how deep he had gone in some of these stories. I mean, these are, you know, you just got pages on pages of interviews and um, images of the old video game content and uh, some of the covers. Um, and this is a totally untouched part of history that we're, we're uh, delving into here with this book series. Um, so, you know, I, uh, I don't want this to run on too long, but, and we'll do a more proper interview later. But really sure. quickly, how did, just tell us, encapsulate how this whole mind behind the games thing got this turned into a book or a series. Oh, man. It's like, it's controversial. I'm probably going to get in trouble, but I don't care. Whatever. It's the truth. Um, so my wife was five months pregnant and, um, I just had like one of those moments I was kind of like sitting on my couch and I was like, I've done a lot of cool things and I'm like, there's so many other things that I wanted to do. And I just knew that when my daughter was born, that she was going to become my prime focus. Like my job as her advocate was the most important job that I was going to have for like the rest of my life. And like, I need to... I need to accomplish a little bit more so I can be the person that she needs me to be as a father, as a role model. So I'm just like, I need, I need to do something. Yeah. So originally my idea was to continue to build the journalism program in the college that I teach at, that I've taught at for 14 years. And um, I pitched a multimedia journalism course to the director of the program. Okay. And, uh, and he was like, no. And like I've taught it at other colleges, I'm like the syllabus they're already written, the syllabi is already written. I'm like this is this is gonna be this could be great for our program. Nope. I was like all right. So then 
it was just like a it, like an instinctual just come back. I was like, well, you know what, then I'm going to write a book. And he was like, then go write a book. So I went home and I sat in my man cave and I'm just like, I am going to write a book. That's like something that I've always wanted to do. Um, and I was just, I'm surrounded by like, you know, 3,000. I have like three, over 3,000 games and um, over 30 consoles. And I'm just looking around and I'm just like, I know who made Yards Revenge. I know who made... Um, Mutant League Football, I know who made King's Bounty, I know who made Wonder Boy and Monster Land, I know who made Toe Jam and Earl, but how many other people do? Yeah, yeah. Like, the, the stories behind these games are just as important as the games themselves, and like, interviews for me has always been like my favorite thing to do as a journalist. Yeah. Um, so I was just like, you know what, like those five or six games that I told you, I was like, you know what, I'm going to reach out, I'm going to find these developers online, I'm going to pitch them, and if I can get half of them to get back to me, then I have enough to start a book. And then I'm going to use, like, those two or three chapters to pitch to publishers and try and get a, a book deal. So within, like, two weeks, like, Michael Menheim, Howard Scott Warshaw, John Van Keegan, uh, Greg Johnson, all of those guys, they all got back to me. So all six got back to me. Excellent. And, and then it was just like, then we were off to the races. That was, like, Halloween of 2016, and by Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. I had... All six written, and I had a book deal in place. And as they say, the rest is history. So, yeah, you know what's interesting? Um, I definitely like that. The is how how open and accessible a lot of game developers are. I, Absolutely. I um I remember when I was uh, first, you know, trying to get my name out there and, and meet up with a lot of uh, industry people. Um, I was in I was sending out things to Midway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Midway actually contacted me back, and it was one of their secretaries, and they said, hey, you had some questions you wanted to talk or whatever, and I said, yeah, I did. And I'm like, okay, well, um, if you if you want to call back or whatever, we'll we'll have someone call you who can answer your questions, and, and I had sent them just, you know, a letter. I was typing up letters, and um, mm-hmm. I figured that's that was easier to get through to people than um, email. You, know, you see an email, you're just like, okay, whatever. Hey, thanks, kid, or whatever. But uh, I wanted to know if I sent a letter, you know, along with my credentials and everything. It seemed a little more official, so that was my little hack at the time. And the yeah. secretary was like, well, hey, if you want to call, just um, just hang around for a little while, and um, we'll get somebody to contact you. And I was like, oh, okay, well, someone's going to answer my question. Interesting. Nice. So I hung up the phone, went back to what I was doing, and then I got a call, and it was um, Mark Tremell. And when I I was like, hey, how's it going? He's like, hi, uh, Mark Jamel from Midway. And I'm thinking, because I'm not connecting that it's him on the phone, but I'm thinking I know this name. And if yeah. I would have expected the call, I would have said, okay, you know, this is wild. But I'm kind of like, wait, who is this guy? So at first I'm like, uh-huh, okay, uh, Mark, um, so, and I totally forgot what the conversation was about, but uh, I remember asking him about how they use programming and um, what could be done and, uh, you know, what their job situation was like at the time um, for careers. Because I, uh, I was in the process of going to 3DO, but I was still talking to other companies. Yeah. Oh, and, uh, and, yeah, so we just had this conversation about game development and programming. And I think at some point halfway through, I was like flipping through my names and I'm like, no, 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 that's Mark Tremell, you know, so yeah. it kind of, oh my God, it was just really, it was just really weird that this was one of my first conversations uh, with somebody in the game industry. And yeah. I found out that I could, I could just contact people and it was really bizarre because um, I can still do that now. I found the guy's name in a magazine, looked him up on Instagram and was like, hey, how's it going? And he was just like, oh, hey, how are you? And we just started a great conversation. And it's yeah. it's really bizarre. And I don't know how many people do that, but I don't know if I'm letting any cat out of the bag and people are going to start, you know, not responding yeah. to, to randoms yeah. anymore. Oh. But but uh, the fact that you've put that into a book is is, is really great. So um, I'll definitely put a link up to your, uh, the side of your, the link of your choice or whatever to this video, uh, with sure. this video. But, um, uh, speaking of things uh, happening soon, um, I definitely want to jump in and interject and say congratulations 
Um, right now, you are uh, about to, um, your, your, your wife is about to have a baby. How, now, apparently, uh, this w interview wasn't going to happen before, but now you got a little window of time where it's happening. Um, yeah. You're having a, cor a coronavirus baby, or a corona era. Yeah. Era yeah. baby. Uh, mm -hmm. That must be a little scary, huh? Or, I don't know. How, yeah. how are you feeling? It's, it's like, honestly, like, it's been crazy because the laws have changed a couple of times, and uh, at first we didn't know if I was going to be able to there in the delivery room and being there for my first child my daughter who's three mm -hmm. is one of the greatest experiences of my life you know watching her come out and cutting the umbilical cord and being the first person to hold her awesome like yeah and the fact that I thought I was going to get robbed of that experience like I was beyond like livid and I signed a whole bunch of petitions and wrote a whole bunch of you know newspapers and uh, news stations stuff like that and they just changed the law so like I'm it's back to back to normal but like some things have changed so like yesterday like we we had a little bit of a scare we thought that that she was ready to go and so we went to the hospital and we were there for a couple of hours but like they they while she was in triage they put me in like the waiting room and uh, I wasn't there with her so it's like I ended up we were texting back and forth and I'm just like this is so different from the way it was before, but at the same time, they're trying to keep everybody safe, and it's just, uh, it's crazy. It's like, you watch on the news about, you hear all these things about how bad New York is, but, um, I mean, it's getting better, but New York was really bad for a really long time, for about a month. Right. Like, New York was just bad. It was like that YouTube song, like, the streets have no name. It was just, it was just, yeah. you just want to run outside and scream, and it's because everyone's stuck in the house, no one's going outside, you know, and, uh, yeah, I don't, it's just crazy. I don't know how many people understand that, that density of people in New York, and I, I've been to New York a couple times, and mm -hmm. I, I, I love it, I love the energy, I love the, um, the way people talk and, uh, have conversations, um, mm -hmm. You know, great example. I was in a, a random diner on some random street. Uh, it was a really small place. You know, people filed in, got their food, walked out. Um, you know, there are a couple seats to sit down, whatever. But I walked in, you know, got like a little eggs and bacon and something. And um, I was with the with my friend and, you know, we're sitting down and we just said, man, this is like some basic shit, but it's actually really well done. What is... <laughs> what is with these New York restaurants? And, you know, we were talking to ourselves. Some guy, like, a table and half over who was standing in line holding a newspaper was like, yeah, cause it's because we don't tolerate bullshit. Mm -hmm. And I love that. I started laughing. I was like, no, 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 that's, I kind of get it. I, I love that. So I definitely have love for the, uh, the, the city and the vibe. And when I'm out here in L.A. or, you know, the L.A. area, you know, people are like, what's New York like? And I'm thinking... Imagine all of L.A. County in a city the size of Long Beach, and they just stop and kind of stare into the sky and can't understand it. They're, it just blows their mind. They don't get how how efficient and ordered and close that city is. And so with us out here, you know, the social distancing thing is interesting because we can there's a lot of space and we can kind of still, you know, walk outside, get on a bike and, or whatever, and not really run into anybody, mm -hmm. you know, so you, and you're dealing with a whole nother situation where that's oh, yeah. it's, it's simply completely not. different. I mean, and just to like, to put it into perspective, cause, like, I don't even know if I, if I told you this, but like, I live in a, a free family home with, uh, with my wife's, uh, family. And it's like her uncle was on the first floor and her cousins live on the second floor. And um, we live on the third floor. It's two bedrooms, nice size for us and stuff like that. But um, uncle, her uncle on the first floor got virus. And then no one could take care of him. So his daughter had to come downstairs from the second floor and take care of him. So then she got the virus. So now imagine how I feel um, yeah, yeah. with a three-year-old three daughter and a pregnant wife. And um, we share a washing machine in the basement. So it's like... Pretty, like, for, for a while, man, it was pretty intense, like, having to go downstairs 
with like gloves on and a mask just to do just to do your wash. Yeah. You know? And like my daughter is super close with uh with their daughter who's like six months younger and they weren't able to see each other for like six weeks. So yeah man. And all during this entire time I'm finishing uh one book, I'm wrapping up another book, I'm starting another book, I'm teaching full time. So it's like it's freaking crazy. It was, it was, I'm telling you, like, the last six it, weeks were, were pretty intense. Yeah, and a baby on the way. And yeah. a baby on the way, yeah. And you took yeah. the time, and, and, and you took the time out to do this. I totally appreciate it. Thank you very much. No, it's all good, man. So, it's the least that I could do. I mean, you, you've done so, you've done so much for me. You took, like, a, you took a gamble on me. I was just some guy that messaged you and emailed you. You know, what you've given me is so much more than I'll ever be. I'll ever be able to give you, you know, so did I, did, I, did I, I just, super appreciate it. Did I just pull a Mark Tremell randomly? Absolutely. <laughs> oh, man. That's funny. It's funny that you tell me that, too, because you're not the first person that I've heard a story that they called up the way and they got Mark Tremell, you hmm. know? So a guy that um, he's bought, um, he's bought, he bought my first two books and he, uh, he pre-ordered the third one. His name's Shane Stein. Super really, really cool guy. Um, he, he called up Midway at like 11 years old to bitch about like NBA Jam. And, uh, he was like, I got some ideas on how we can make NBA Jam better, blah, blah, blah. And they, they put him on the phone with Termel and he talked to Termel for like 15 minutes. Oh, that's great. That's, that's great. That's comedy. Yep. So, and I've heard great stories about Termel, man, that like Midway was like a big frat party back in the day, and Termel was, like, the king of the fret, you know, so, and he's a super nice guy, like, I interviewed him for the first book, mm-hmm. and, uh, just super nice guy, and he's kind of, like, a family man, and, like, reserved now, but you could tell he was a fucking party animal back in the day. Yeah, that's, that's weird, I never got much of the, um, the Midwest gaming scene when I was coming up, I mean, when I say I didn't get it, I didn't, uh, have any connection to it. We were, you know, I was in the Bay Area, so... Google was coming up, Napster, uh, Yahoo, um, the Silicon Valley, all the Silicon Valley cats. Then, you know, there was um, the 3DO, Rockstar, Sega, um, Fox Interactive. All these, wow. all these companies were, you know, kind of a stone's throw from each other. Um, at my yeah. at my first job at 3DO, I remember. Um, we went to a Toys R Us to pick up one of those uh, buy two, get one free game deals. Mm-hmm. And we were just grabbing games for the studio. And we hear some people in like the next aisle over talking about what they're going to do with their game. They're like, well, I don't know if we should, uh, I don't know if we should just ax that level or get some new people on it to try to fix it out because it's got real problems, man. And they're just like t- talk- talking about this unreleased game. And we're game developers <laughs> in the next aisle over, and we're like elbowing each other, right. like, "Hey, wait a minute, are they, are, are they talking about, who are they?" And you know, our friend says, "Nah, I saw him. He has got, he's got a Sega jacket on." He's like, "Really?" You know, so that's great. They didn't uh, say anything really incriminating, but they walked around the corner and saw us and changed changed discussion anyway. So, mm-hmm. but awesome. yeah, it was just really weird having all of us together in. Uh, in a small area like that while we're all just working on, you know, uh, PlayStation games, uh, to some yeah. dream, Dreamcast oh, yeah. developers out there. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just, it was just really crazy. Awesome. So, yeah, the, uh, the, the Midwest scene, uh, I didn't, I didn't know too much about, and, uh, you know, the couple studios out in New York and Austin, I uh, didn't know too much about either. Um, mm-hmm. What I'm basically saying is I only knew about the scene I was in, which was the Bay Area scene. Yeah, but it was uh, definitely good times. Um, and also, you said you're 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 teaching still, so I guess you're doing everything online and just. Yeah, everything's uh, everything's online. I've, I mean, I've taught. I've been. I'm a college professor for 14 years, and I've done mm-hmm. the online thing for probably like 12. So I'm completely comfortable teaching online. It's just it's been hard because most of my students haven't been. Know, properly trained to take online classes and it's a lot different and it's a lot more independent um, and it's a lot harder to prove to your professor that you know what you're talking about when you're not in class, you know? Um, yeah. So I've, I've had to get really inventive doing like audio lessons and video lessons and giving them plenty of stuff to read and, and posting at all different times of the day just to, 
kind of keep them because they get an email every time I update. So, I mean, the classes are only supposed to be like three hours a week, but I think we're spending far more time like this semester on, on this stuff because like the stream of consciousness like never ends. And I feel like when I have to sit down and do like an audio or a video lesson for an hour, after like 10 minutes, I'm just like, I'm done. I've said everything that I need to say. So I'll stop the recording, send it off to them. And then like three hours later, I'll, I'll be like, oh shit, I didn't mention this. And then I'll do another audio lesson or whatever. I, I think it's, I think it's better hmm. than, than, you know, the way online teaching was before. And then the thing is, too, there's like there's like a paper trail now, you know. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of college professors that have tenure that kind of put their feet up on their desk and they talk for an hour, but they're not really teaching anybody anything, right. you know. So now you're online and everything's being documented, and you got to be on your shit, you got to be on your game, and some of them can't deal with that. Um, so is it? That's been. Is it? Um, is it shaking out the? Uh, people who have just been sliding along. I don't just mean teachers, but students as well. I, I compared this, I was talking to another professor about this the other day, and I compared this to kind of like one of those cataclysmic events like in DC or Marvel Comics, like every like 15 years where like a whole shitload of characters die that like, you know, nobody was reading anymore. Yes. Um, and it's kind of kind of mean of me in a way, but it's just like as an educator, your most, your most important job is to adapt to the times. You cannot be an old dinosaur, you've got to take the patches off of your elbow, you know, the patches off of your jacket, you know, and, yeah. and you got to just, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm 36, I've been teaching for 14 years, and still, like, to this day, I'll walk into a classroom, and people will be like, are you the professor? And I'm like, you have to ask me? And they're like, yeah. oh, well, you don't look like a professor, and I'm like, well, what does a professor look like, you know, and, yeah. so, but then, but then there's some people that, like, as soon as they walk into a room, you're just like, yeah, that's a professor. Right. So, I feel like some of those people, they've had some, they've had a hard time adapting. And for me, it's like, that's like one of the people that I idolize, like, the most in so many different fields are the ones that, like, continue to, you know, adapt, like, you know, Elvis and Diamond Dallas Page and Prince and, you know, there's so many people, like, in music and in comic books, Frank Miller, like, all these people that, like, went from writer to artist to, from singer to, to um, from songwriter to singer, you know, like all these people that are willing to like adapt and change and grow, those are the people that I look up to the most. So like when this happened, I was just like, all right, so time to time to reinvent myself again. And you know, I think I've done okay, but there's a lot of people that are having problems with it right now. And as far as students, do the same exact thing because now those students that that used to like to talk a lot in class, they mm-hmm. have to type a lot, and maybe they might not want to type. You know? Yeah. So um, that's a shift. But, Yeah, the um, speaking of which, I uh, it's funny. I started doing this format here, uh, just talking to people and getting on, because we had a group that used to meet up and do art shows, do um, art events, um, and we would also get together and discuss. Hey, what are we doing? How are you coming along with your social media? How are you getting along with your um, painting or how are you selling your art whatever you know there were these little basically uh mastermind meeting groups that we have just on art and of course when uh coronavirus hit then we weren't doing as much of that so we started of course um chatting online and uh, at one point i was like you know what let's just get into get into a little chat room and have a little discussion we did that it actually worked out pretty well, and but I didn't think much of it. A little, a little while later, I was sitting down and just, you know, saying, "Well, gosh, I want to get something out. I need to, um, I need to do something." But honestly, I really didn't feel like painting physically because I'm so used to taking my physical paintings out into the world and showing people that I don't want to say I lost the will to do it, but something had changed. And that whole process was interrupted. And, uh, you know, that's people don't get how much their whole routine changes when you have a lot of little changes. 
Yep. They just kind Absolutely. of think, hey, just go online, but your whole rhythm is off. So, oh, yeah. So I, you know, I'm taking out my paintbrushes, and I'm like, I just don't want to, I'm not in the rhythm to do this, even if I want to paint. Mm-hmm. What's going yeah. on? So then whenever something like that happens to me, I jump in and start doing uh, a lot of different things to see what resonates with me. And when I'm doing these different things, it's just, well, hey, let me try this out. Let me try this new food out. Or let me uh, take a nap at this time instead of this time. Whatever. But one of the things I did was instead of recording something and editing it, then putting it out there on the Internet, I said, well, let me just go live. And I was thinking about doing Instagram, but that seemed that seemed like, yeah, whatever, Instagram Live, everybody's doing that, whatever. Yeah. And I just decided, well, let me go on Facebook Live. And, like, right when I started, I was like, holy crap. These are actually my friends and family and people who know me jumping on here saying hi, they're seeing me. And it had a totally different vibe from Instagram, which is more um, randoms and business people and uh, people who have connected yeah. with me on a professional level. So yeah. when I got on Facebook Live, I was like, wow, this is really more natural. I mean, I'm not plugging Facebook here for any reason, but that's just how it happened. So now um, I actually think I want to make this part of my routine, and then I'll, oh, yeah. I'll spin this off to something else. You know, at some point I may move to YouTube or whatever. But, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, that's how I got started. And, um, you know, so I, I put out feelers to see who could jump in and talk when. Um, and... Obviously, your name came up uh, because now you're here. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely keep this going, man. But um, you I, should. I mean, this was a lot of fun. I think you're super articulate. You know, you've got you've got a great story. You know, it's like um, first off, like just for your friends to kind of keep tabs on you was fun. But then too, you know, you end up learning people that may not that, that may be friends with you on here may not know nearly as much as they want to. This is a good way for that to. Uh, that so I would definitely keep doing it. And see, the thing is, too, like, even though you're not painting and you're doing this, it's just so creative, you know? Exactly. So this may, this may make you want to paint, you know? So it's just a part of your adaptation. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, and uh, that's that's what I take in any of these kind of events like that. And that is a very New York thing to say, you know, you got to adapt because yeah. you motherfuckers, just that's how you do it. So. Um, oh, yeah. When I go to, when I when I move to New York, if I ever when I ever do that, then uh, then I'll I'll have that part down. Just be ready to adapt. <laughs> yep, so, absolutely. So um, I don't want to hold you too long. I know you got the the baby in the background, um, sleeping. I I think. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't I don't want to hold you up too long. But I definitely want to thank you for this right here. Oh, we did have um a question that came through. Um, mm-hmm about your thoughts on games that are coming out this year or right now, um, just in general, I guess. I feel like I, I get a lot more excited uh, when I hear, um, like, pitches from indie companies now that I do from, like, first-party mm-hmm. companies and, like, big triple-A game companies because I feel like, no, I don't feel like companies take as big chances as they as they used to, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. um, I was just writing... Uh, writing something about this game that came out on PS1 called Rogue Trip, and um, it's kind of like it was developed Rogue by the same Trip? people that did Rogue Trip. Yeah, okay. they did. Um, they did. It was the same team that did Twisted Metal One and Two, and then um, they ended up getting bought by GT Interactive. So like Sony obviously owned the rights to Twisted Metal. So instead of uh, doing Twisted Metal Three, which they couldn't, they did this game called Rogue Trip, and it's basically like Twisted Metal with some like mission-based objectives. It's really cool, but um. One of the cars is a is a hot dog card. Like they're basically like making fun of like the Oscar Mayer like wiener that or whatever. Sounds familiar. It's very familiar. Okay, go on. And what and what happened was Oscar Mayer filed a cease and desist. So like they were expecting the game to sell around like six hundred to seven hundred fifty thousand copies, but by the time the, the cease and desist came, they only sold three hundred seventy five thousand copies. Mm. So the game got taken off the shelves and stuff like that, but what ended up happening was Sony saw that these guys were still making games and that, that, that they were improving on the Twisted Metal formula, and Twisted Metal 3 and Twisted Metal 4 were developed by a completely different team. Those games sucked. So now those guys leave GT Interactive and they start Incognito, 
and we know what happened with Incognito, some fucking fantastic games on the PS2, PSP, yeah. you know? So this, like, little game that had some balls on it, like, really um, laid the foundation for, you know, 10 to 15 amazing games that influenced the rest of the PlayStation and PlayStation 2 era. So um, I miss days like that, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I, don't, I don't see many ideas like now from like AAA companies where I'm like, oh my God, it's like 2K announced the other day that they're going to do their own game. And it's like, that's, that's supposed to get me excited. Yeah, it was, um, it was definitely a different time. And I remember the vibe in the air, just about what you could do, what you couldn't do, what people were expecting. Um, and I, I, I actually remember at one point, um, the 3DO was a very interesting company in, in the sense that, you had, uh, the building we were in had four different floors. Um, mm-hmm. The second building we were in, actually. But, yeah, the second building we were in had four different floors. And the second floor was developers. The third floor was, like, marketing, sales, some other guys. And then the fourth floor was developers. So no one really took the elevators. Everybody just kind of ran up and down the stairs. And, you know, we always wanted to see what the other departments were doing. So... Mm-hmm. When um, we'd go up to the second floor and we'd run across the marketing guys, and you know, marketing and sales, you know, more of the ladies are going to be over there. So you just kind of stopped and hung around there, and you're hanging around their coffee area anyway, you know, just because they're over there. Yeah. But what was interesting is that the marketing guys had that vibe too. They're like, they'd hear an idea and they're like, oh man, we could totally spin that into this and this and this, and can we see what you guys are working on? And hey, let's get an artist over here. Now, you hear the marketing from the marketing guys, you know, more like, it, it, it's like marketing catch-up now. It's like, everything is pretty, everything is pretty much the same. It's like, well, okay, this is, this game is going to have these guys with these guns. They're going to go do this, and blah, blah, blah. And they try to sell a gimmick, but it's not as, it's, not, it's, it's a gimmick. It's not as fresh as a, you know, a different way of playing a game, you know. You don't mm-hmm. you don't get ideas like Portal or whatever every day of the week. You know that could yeah. just come around and kind of change the way you think about things. Yeah. Um, and Portal probably wasn't the best example, but you get what I mean. Um, no, absolutely. So That's yeah, one of the reasons why I focus so much on you know older games or or indie games because those I feel like the indie game scene is where a lot of those ideas are coming from now. You know mm-hmm. so. Yeah, definitely. Well, um, you are definitely a historian. You know, I will say you know much more about the movement and the machine of the industry um, and where it's going, where it's been far more than a lot of people I know. And you speak more intelligently about it. Um, You know, I've been in the trenches and I can definitely tell you some things about what was going on inside. But uh, what I really want to do is I really want to set up a... uh, another conversation at some point down the line um, with you. Hell yeah. And, um, yeah, so we could definitely uh, do this in the future, um, really get some some interesting things out. Um, I didn't have my whole interview mind ready, but I jumped in and wanted okay. to do this, so I totally appreciate I agree. it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, uh, before we start wrapping up, is there anything else that you wanted to uh, get out there? Um, you say you've got a couple books coming. Which one's coming next? So, the original book came out in the Minds Mind Games came out in April of 2018. Uh, the Minds Mind Adventure Games came out in December of 2019. Um, I'll be like in the next like six to eight weeks, the Minds Mind Sports Games is going to come out, mm-hmm. and then uh, the Minds Mind the Shooter Games is probably if my past experience with my publisher serves true, uh, will either be out like in December or January of 2021. Then. Um, I signed the contract for the Minds Behind the Sega Genesis games in January, and I've got 39 games confirmed for that, so that's going to be, like, the biggest book that I've done so far. Um, and uh, you're going to be the first person that I've ever told this, but um, two weeks ago I started another book. Oh, wait, hold and, on. Is, uh, this, is this an exclusive? This is an exclusive, yeah. Oh, absolutely. here we go. <laughs> so um, two weeks ago I started the Minds Behind the Sony PlayStation games, and um, I have 20 games confirmed already in two weeks, so it's been 
it's been pretty insane, and I've already written like five or six chapters already of a PlayStation One book, like Twisted Metal, Road Trip, NHL '98, um, uh, Spider Man, the Treyarch one. There's uh, there's some really heavy hitters um, in the PS One book already, so I'm just I'm super excited. So it's the coronavirus has been like awful, but I've had so much more time to write, and I've just been I've had I don't want to make any excuses for myself, yeah, and yeah. I've just been busting my ass. Love it. So love it. So that's why when you go on Facebook and I, I say things like, you know, no excuses ever. It's like I'm sitting here and it's like I'm waiting for my wife to give birth and I'm fucking exhausted yeah. and I'm not sleeping and my daughter wants me to spend time with her and I'm playing with her and I'm trying to be the best dad that I can be but at the same time too, like I'm, I'm teaching, you know, three hours a day. I'm writing five or six hours a day. I'm, I'm the one that's doing like all the grocery shopping in my house. So it's like I don't make any excuses for shit. So it's like, um, I'm super focused on making this a brand and continuing, like, this book series for a really long time. And, like, that's, that's what I think is yeah. the coolest part. So it's like, I can do genres, I can do consoles, like, I can do all sorts of stuff. And it's just, like, something that, like, I never want to stop doing. Um, I'm also, like, a couple of chapters deep into a, a wrestling book that is structured very similarly to the minds behind the games. It's like each chapter is just me talking with a wrestler. So that's going to take me a little bit longer to do because I want to pick the right combination of wrestlers. And that's going to take a lot longer, but, like, that's something down the pipe that I'd like to do. Um, I submitted a comic book manuscript to Image Comics, like, two weeks ago. Um, I'm doing voice acting on three different games. I'm writing a story for uh, two separate games. So it's like I'm doing a ton of shit right now. I'm trying, I'm trying to make those make those things happen, you know? I love it. And, um, I, I will say, um, you know, what you're, what you're doing with the, the mind behind the game series is, um, minds, plural, behind the game series is really, really strong. I, I, I definitely want to see it, um, uh, branch out's not the right word, but, uh, you know, as something big, gets big like this, it starts to spread and people start seeing it from different angles. Um, yeah. it'll definitely be uh, a joy to watch this thing grow and develop and um, build into whatever it's going to become. Um, so I'm, I'm totally here for it, man. Thanks, man. I, I appreciate everything that you've done for me, you know, like writing the, uh, the afterword for the, for the shooter book. I mean, I loved it, like, just to have, to have you. I mean, like, I wanted you in my first book. You know, like, I sent you a pitch on Facebook, like, in, like, 2000. 17 or whatever for Rockstar Table Tennis because I just like I enjoyed that game yeah. so much you know and to like eventually get you for book three yeah. was like freaking awesome I remember talking to Tony Barnes and I'm just like I got him I got Rockstar <laughs> Table Tennis in the sports book I'm like yes and um you know so like just having you to be a part of this just makes it a lot it makes it a lot more special than it would have been otherwise like I mean you've done some amazing work um yeah that you know what? For our, for our, for our next conversation, whenever that happens, um, I definitely want to get into uh, table tennis. There are a lot of interesting stories there, um, and, all, and all positive. I don't have I don't have anything bad to say about the game industry. Uh, I know a lot of people are looking for uh, juice, juicy kind of um, you know insights on Rockstar Games or anything like that. Um, but you know that's not my personality. And, yeah. but nevertheless, there are still a lot of good stories that came out of, uh, that studio, that place, um, that are just, that are just phenomenal. I mean, when you have a, an institution like that, that's making, you know, Grand Theft Auto, Table Tennis, um, Smuggler's Run, even if you want to go back that far, mm -hmm. that are yeah, making all yeah. these kind of groundbreaking things, it's, you're going to get some good stories. So, um, yeah, that's definitely something we got to talk about on the next time. Cool. All right, man. Um, I'm going to wrap it up here. Uh, definitely thank you for your time. Um, yeah, no problem, man. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Cool. All right, so I'm going to hang out in the chat for a little bit, but um, mm -hmm. uh, we, can end the, we can end the conversation call here, and uh, then I'll hit you back up on uh, Messenger at some point. Cool. If you want, I can put, put the, uh, the link in there uh, if people want more information. Yeah, yeah, go ahead and uh, you can drop whatever links you want in there. Awesome. All right, 
So that was uh, Patrick Hickey Jr., um, academian, uh, writer, author, uh, teacher, uh, with the Minds Behind the Games books. Um, I tried to get him earlier, and I didn't because all the craziness going on uh, that he's juggling magnificently. But now uh, we, he called me up and said, hey, I had a little time. Um, we'll see if we can do something. So... That's why there was really no notice for this this interview. So we were able to um, get in, get to talking to some, talking about some things, and uh, you know, have a good little conversation. I uh, hope everything is technically okay on everyone's end. Um, I didn't get a chance to set everything up uh, properly, but it all worked out. So we're going to be doing these every so often. Um, whether I do them solo or whether I talk to somebody, we'll find out as we go along. This this podcast, or, yeah, this podcast, I'm going to go ahead and call it that and start um, putting it through an RSS feed. Um, yeah, definitely a great one, y'all. So we're going to have um, this podcast going concurrently with the 8-Bit Cubist podcast, and that's going to be its own other thing because... It's its own art project, and I wanted to separate that from what I'm doing as an artist, a developer, creator, whatever. I don't have a name for the podcast yet for this, but I want to call it, um, actually, if you see that board right there, those are just a scribbling of ideas that I have for all the names of um, what we're going to do, what we're going to call this podcast. I think I'm going to call it the ADD Podcast. Art, Design, Development something with Mr. Benja. Alright, um, definitely thank everybody who popped in for for this. Uh, sorry I missed Mother's Day, but this all worked out. And um, before I forget, Patrick, happy Mother's Day to your wife, and uh, good luck with everything. And everybody watching, if there's anything you want me to talk about, let me know. Be sure to like the page, and if you know anybody else who's interested in this, uh, share the page with them. And that is all for now. Thank you very much. See ya. Hey, thanks for joining me on this podcast. You all make everything I do possible, and I really do appreciate it. So even if you've got me on social, please visit mrbenja.com and see what's happening and how deep the rabbit hole goes. All right, I'll see you next time. Peace.